You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Recording this one a bit earlier in the day on Sunday, so if anything does occur in the evening, that is why it's not being addressed here. We're going to focus in on some more Kluber rumors. We're going to take a look at the AL West for a bit. Um, i got to say, thanks to the uh, the winter meetings, I was all set to focus in on the Seattle Mariners to talk about Kyle Seeger as the alternative for the third base market. And then because of the meetings, I never got to it. And now a whole bunch of people are doing it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I could have been first. Because as we've learned of journalism, it doesn't really matter about uh, if you're good or not or correct or not. First is what matters most. So the Corey Kluber uh, trade rumor you know, blowing smoke tour uh, continues. Uh, it gives us something to talk about, but at the same time, we went through this last offseason where the Indians were definitely going to trade a starter, and then they did in July. So we'll see. Uh, it's interesting because at this point, the Angels are already out. They're, they're done. They're out. The Indians want too much. The Indians always want too much, and I'm all for that because eventually they find someone who meets their asking price. Um, the Angels might go back to the market the interesting thing right now in the market is that we're looking at an overall market where you know there's Madison Bumgarner who has some scary red flags and is going to get a hundred million dollars uh for the length of his contract you have uh Hui Yen Ryu who is uh you know 33 going on 34 and has had some arm issues as well and uh, really slowed down in the second half like he looked like the Cy Young award winner in the NL and then he kind of hit a wall which again kind of concerning uh Wade Miley has been the king of one-year deals uh the definition of a back-end arm uh Dallas Keuchel has been he had that amazing season and since then has been more of like a four uh trying to think who's the next arm oh and then Julio Turan who uh has been a pretty reliable innings-eating starter, but Atlanta has chased all this pitching and let him go. So I think that's really all you need to say about um, what he does for a team if Atlanta was like, "Eh, it's okay, we're good. So when you get right down to it, there is the risk with Kluber, but nobody left can approach what Kluber did when healthy. And that's why the Indians can afford to be discerning. Even if Arizona's out there shopping Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray is not what Kluber is when healthy um so it's there's not a lot out there in terms of if you want to go out and get an ace and you missed out on the the cream of the crop of this market the Indians hold maybe the only potential ace that is being shopped so that's that's the long and the short of it the Indians can afford to be discerning um and good on them for being discerning so the Padres came up and people are like you know the Padres were interested a year ago Except were they? Like, the the talk was that uh, the Indians talked to the Padres with the Padres. They wanted a young player to match up with their core. They were more intrigued by Bauer. Um, Then when the opportunity came for them to do a Bauer deal, uh, they decided they did not want Bauer. Because, I mean, most of the pieces went to the Indians in that deal with the Reds and the Padres were the Padres. The Padres uh, gave three of the major pieces. And then Scott Moss was the only guy, along with Puig. So, you know, you could say the probably the third biggest piece and the fourth biggest piece came from the Reds. Um, The Padres likely could have flipped someone to the Reds to get Puig to flip to the Indians. Like, 
if the Padres wanted Bauer, they probably they could have done it. And they didn't do it. Now, what's happening is Preller is under the gun. Uh, he came into San Diego, and they had a promising farm system, and he trashed it and made a series of horrible moves. Like, he was just terrible. And all of those moves he made uh, set them behind. And then he was really aggressive when he realized he messed up making actually some intelligent moves, but also some shady moves, as you might recall. He had some deals overturned and some situations where um, he had not shared all the full medical details before he made trades. Uh, it's almost like sad karma that uh, Anderson Espinoza has just been constantly hurt since then. Uh, I feel terrible for the kid, but it's it's like, well, they, they hid some information, and now um, on the other side of things, they, you know, whatever. <laughs> Let's move on. But, yeah, he's uh, he's done some crappy things, and now he's in the point where uh, he's been there for a while. They've spent a lot of money. They went out and got Machado a year ago, and uh, they're still kind of a bottom-rung team in the West. So, uh, yeah, the pressure's on Preller. He's made a few trades already, and... Oh, okay, as I'm recording this, the Rangers just acquired Corey Kluber. So, switching gears. Decided to keep that part in uh, just for fun. You can hear it as the news breaks. It's a few hours later. Uh... We feel like we think we know what the return is for the Cleveland Indians. This is where I give my caveat that a year ago with Jan Gomes, we thought we knew what the return was, that it was only um, Daniel Johnson. And then a few days later, more information filtered out, and the Indians got two other pieces, one of which helped them significantly last year, and Jeffrey Rodriguez. And the third piece, Andrew Montessario, was an interesting guy who struggled with health. Uh... With the Trevor Bauer deal, we heard all the headlines, and I was in the middle of recording that podcast when Victor Nova and Scott Moss broke his additional pieces. We'll see if anything else is occurring in this deal. Um, some are saying yes, some are saying no. We had the the guy who broke the uh, Emmanuel Clase uh, return. He said that there was more than two pieces, and then um, we haven't seen anything, and Ken Rosenthal also said that, and then uh, Zach Meisel said, nope, just a two for one, no money changing hands. So we'll see. I was setting up on this podcast to talk about the Rangers and I thought any deal would have to include Nick Solak. I was apparently very wrong. Um, I also thought maybe there'd be a world where it was uh, involving Chu and his contract because he's in the final year of his contract and if the Rangers ate some of that money, that's not the case either. I was also going to bring up Willie Calhoun as a a guy who played really well for them with multiple years of control. And I talked about the Rangers recently on the podcast. His name came up. It's none of them. Uh, It's a two-for-one deal by all reports at this point in time. It is a very limited two-for-one. I'm very conflicted. I mean, I don't love this deal. Let's just put that out on Front Street. But at the same time, I do trust the front office for a couple of reasons. One, they never sell low. Um, so if they're selling low, there are some concerns here about Kluber and what he has left. His velocity has been on the decline for multiple years. He is entering his age 35 season, which another reason for concern. Um, and he broke his arm and then was not able to come back because he kept finding other injuries. Um, he's had back problems through the years. He's had a lot of minor things. None of the big stuff that we see often with pitchers with arms, elbows, shoulders, and such, but a lot of minor injuries. And last year after the freak one with the comebacker, it was a hip. It was other things. He's These are what we see in guys who are hitting a certain age with a lot of use. Um, 
and Corey Kluber has been used by uh, Tito Francona between the postseason and the regular season. Uh, he has probably pitched more innings than anyone else in baseball uh, before last season over the last five years. So it's heavy use. It's age. Um, the Indians took his picked up his option. And what I found really funny at this point is the number of people who tweeted at me who were mad when the Indians picked up his option and are now mad at the bad return. It's like, well, you didn't even want the option picked up. They uh, they got something now that's better than what they would have got if they just let his contract go. Um, and maybe that's, if they had massive concerns about Kluber, maybe that was the plan from the beginning, was just to pick him up and trade him before the season began and get something. I'll get into the return a little bit more in the second half of the show, but that's the best logic I can put forward. Um, he was... Yes, there was a chance he'd return to form and be the best pitcher on the Indians. Odds are he was going to be no better than the third best pitcher. Um, but that's because Clevenger and Bieber are really good. And honestly, I don't think the Indians were counting on him. By everything I've heard, anything they got was almost a bonus. There was some real trepidation with him. Before his injury, there had been signs of decline. Um, and that's why the Indians were actively shopping him last year when he was coming off of you know, I think he finished third in the Cy Young, a fantastic year. But towards the end of the season, there were some signs of decline there. And the Indians thought, now, now might be the time to move. They couldn't get a deal they liked. And they thought, oh, you know, we'll see what happens. He started out slow. Now, he traditionally does start a bit slow. And then before he could even get started, the injury occurred. The Indians then were in this situation where they have so much pitching. I mean, if I'm projecting the Indians' rotation at this point... It's Clevenger, Bieber, uh, Carrasco, Saval, and then Plesak is likely your five. Pletko is your emergency guy. You got Pletko, you got Allen, at some point McKenzie, um, Jeffrey Rodriguez. Those guys are all going to be kind of in the depth rotation, which is, again, they have plenty of depth. So they go out and make this trade, uh, trading the single greatest pitcher of my lifetime and maybe the second greatest pitcher in Indians history. You can debate that. You can't debate that he's the best pitcher of the past uh, 30 years. Uh, he's better than Sabathia was, I'm sorry. It's just the case. Even Cliff Lee, because it was such a short run, he's the greatest Indians pitcher of my lifetime. He is one of the five best pitchers in Indians history. If you're making an all-time team for the Cleveland Indians, Corey Kluber is on it. It's time for me to talk about Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live. And if Lockdown Indians made your uh, your top, tag me, and we will retweet that out on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, share and retweet if uh, using Spotify rap. So let's get back into this Kluber situation. So there was some concerns. The Indians had depth. They make this deal. What are they getting? Well, Delano DeShields is, I don't understand his addition, uh, other than the fact that, if, uh, you know, I tweet of mine that a lot of people liked on Twitter was that feels like Tito banged the table for DeShields after learning he twice led the league in sack bunts. Um, he has that going for him. He's not good. Um, he had a 1.3 war a year ago, 5.4 for his career. Um, but that's an, a decent amount of games. He's appeared in over 500 games. You're just looking through the numbers. He's always been a below average bat and his defense has been a bit up and down. He's a solid defender. Um, playing multiple spot, spots, but at the end of the day, I don't know if he's better than Greg Allen. I don't know if he's better than what they have in place. And he costs $2.4 is his uh, expected arbitration 
estimate. Uh, his best offensive season was his first, and he really has not come close to approaching that. So I, I, I don't get DeShields. He is kind of pricey as a second-year arbitration-eligible guy. Even if, let's say, he has this huge breakout year this year, uh, you're only having him for two years. So he's a low-control guy with kind of a pricey amount of money for a team like the Indians that are scrimping and saving at every turn. Uh, his addition was very, very odd. Um, I don't get it at all. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, maybe he would work well with Luplo because Luplo is, you know, the the lefty-killing master. No, the Shields is also a right-handed bat. So uh, it he gives you, he's a solid, I, I just don't see any world where he's better than Greg Allen. And he's going to cost significantly more, almost $2 million more. And again, this is a team that uh, has cut dollars at every turn. So, ah. so DeShields, it's, it, this deal basically comes down to a one-for-one. One. Um, and we're going to move past DeShields. I don't know. I almost feels to agree like the Rangers added him and then forgot or you know had some uh, buyer's remorse to not letting him go. And that DeShields was added more as a... Uh, here, take. We need to shave 2.4 million off our books. Like, if we're going to take on Kluber's 17.5 salary, uh, we need to cut a little bit off. So, the Shields feels more like uh, the Rangers shedding money in this deal back the other way than anything else. The whole point of this deal for the Indians, Emmanuel Classe, and I'm assuming it's Classe since he was born in the DR, uh, originally signed by the Padres, which then makes the fun situation where. The big pieces in this trade, Class A going to the Indians and Kluber going to the Rangers, were both guys that the Padres traded away and got almost nothing for. Sorry, Padres fans. Class A is not a free agent until 2026. He is someone the Indians have for five years of control. Won't even be arbitration eligible until 2023. And is one of the most unique pitchers in baseball. Um, There are some people on baseball I really like, like Brent Hershey and Matt Winkleman. And there was a really interesting read over on Fangraphs about um, about Class A as well. And what it gets down to with him is he has one of the best pitches in baseball. And I don't mean just like amongst relievers or amongst players in their early 20s. Tw- he just has one of the best pitchers and pitches in baseball. And it's a cutter. He's got this ridiculous cutter that guys look foolish trying to hit. Um... And hey, we've seen a reliever who basically get away with just throwing a cutter and being effective turn himself into a, you know, a pretty good pitcher uh, in baseball. Class A at this point uh, is, let's not make that comparison, but I will say there are people, again, uh, Matt Winkleman's a guy I really respect. Uh, front offices, we know read his stuff from a CBS piece a few years ago. And he his, his tweet talked about there's a world where Class A becomes the best reliever in baseball. And that's that's what the Indians are seeing here and you're talking about the ability with uh, he has a cutter that it bounces it moves and it hits 102 uh, he's routinely up over 100 miles an hour he sits up there with that fastball which he throws 80% of the time that cutter, you know, it's a cut fastball that's what we call it, a, a cutter but that cut fastball is up there at, you know, a low end on it is 98, like that, that's when he's struggling a bit but yeah, it it can really get up there, and it's again, it's a lot of those high velocity fastballs are just straight. This one moves, it falls away. He's got a slider he mixes with it that uh, just makes people the, the difference in velocity and movement is also an issue for uh, for guys out there. You look over the course of this year, uh, he debuted at age 21. He will turn 22 in March. 
this year at age 21, 8.1 strikeouts per nine, 2.3 walks per nine, 0.8 home runs per nine, pitching in Texas, an ERA plus of 2.26, a FIP of 3.43, and a WHIP of 1.114. He was really good. Um, I know he got sent down later in the year. I don't really know why. Uh, he was good. If I pulled up his splits, I'm, maybe he had a bit of a wall or teams figured him out a bit. But the Indians are fantastic at identifying pitching. They're fantastic at scouting pitching from other organizations. Like That's something they do really, really well, to the point that if the Indians called and asked me about a pitcher in my organization, I would hang up and immediately value that guy more. Um, the Indians' ability to take guys from other organizations and figure out a new gear or help refine what they do has been almost uh, like black magic or witchcraft through the years. And the Indians were apparently set on Class A. And again, when you know about that fastball, you know about you know how young he is, and you see those statistical performances while pitching in an environment that is not pitcher-friendly, you can see why they liked him. Uh, in terms of what he did throughout the year, you know, the first half, oh, he was great in the second half. He was even better in the second half than the first half in a limited sample. Only 23 innings. Uh, if you're an Indians fan... Class A and Karen Chalk could be as good of an 8-9 as we have seen. Uh, I mean, Karen Chalk's maybe more the 8th and Class A more the ninth, but it doesn't change the fact that that's a potentially sick, sick back of the bullpen for the Cleveland Indians. Now, getting a reliever for a starter, I'm never going to love that. That's just, I don't buy your relievers as much as um, some places do. Uh, relievers have their best value if you make the postseason. That is where having a really great pen becomes a huge separator. At the same time, the Indians' bullpen implosion at points this year uh, probably cost them a chance at a wild card. Class is a nice ad. Class A, I'm sorry, is a nice ad. He, uh, he definitely makes that bullpen a lot more interesting, a lot better. The other thing we'll have to look at at this point is the Indians added two guys to their 40-man. They're going to have to let somebody go. Uh, James Hoyt might be his time to say goodbye after he was, you know, let go, re-signed, let go. He seems like the guy who'd be likely on his way out. The Indians currently have seven players uh, under contract. The rest of the team are arbitration eligible or pre-arbitration. Of those seven, uh, two are free agents at the end of the year in Sandy Leon and Oliver Perez. So essentially next year, the Indians have five guaranteed contracts. They could just uh, choose not to pick anyone's option up or, you know, let them go in the free agency. I mean, they could, they won't. You're not going to do that with guys like Bieber and Clevenger, but it's possible. And the only five guys who are under contract for uh, 2021, you have Carlos Carrasco, Brad Hand, uh, Carlos Santana, Jose Ramirez, and Roberto Perez. And amongst them, only Carlos Carrasco and Jose Ramirez are guaranteed. They could conceivably, the other three are club options. So the Indians have very little payroll commitments at this point going forward. What's going to be interesting to see right now after this trade is do the Indians trade Brad Hand? You know, he kind of... His velocity was dipping in San Diego before the Indians made that trade for him. He came out of the gate absolutely phenomenal and then really faded as the year went on. And now uh, the Indians are adding pieces to supplant, supplant, supplant him in the pen he makes seven million dollars um i don't know what the indians are going to do we'll get into money in a second after this as they did all the calculations on that but brad hand is certainly a guy to keep in mind as someone who could be on the move for the indians uh their bullpen you know you got simber back there who's 
relatively cheap. And then we talked about all the young arms that are coming up who we might see at some points this year. You, when you look at just the overall Indians bullpen this past season, sure, they could keep hand and hand would be a hand with class A and Karen Chalk would be your, your back end guys. Uh, Clippard's a free agent. Nick Whitegrain was effective. Adam Simber pitched a lot of innings. Jeffrey Rodriguez, eh? we'll see what what his role is with the team. But uh, Olsen and Goody are gone, as are Cole, who pitched a lot of innings. Plus, they got guys like Phil Maton and Hunter Wood, who are on the 40-man. And I don't know what their option situation is, but that's always something to keep in mind with these guys. So there is a world where Brad Hand, who had a 1.44 ERA+, plus, a 2.8 FIP, a home run rate under one, a walk rate under three, and a strikeout rate over 13. Those are phenomenal. There were some concerns throughout the year, but he ended up having a phenomenal season on the whole. Uh, if you can get bowled over for him, I say have at. I'm always uh, a little uh, concerned about uh, relievers, especially ones who have shown some inconsistencies. But I'm also great with just holding on to him. Now, in terms of money, I went out and did all the fun uh, calculations for you using uh sports track and the first time i messed up second time i got it right i believe so in 2018 the indians payroll was 142.8 million dollars last year it was 124 point let's round up to 9 million if everything is correct as of now right now the indians are at 79.6 million uh if they're going to reach 100 million they have to spend and they're going to have to spend a significant amount and that's what this cooper deal is going to kind of rest on if this is all they get for Corey Kluber. Um, I assume they went around everywhere and looked. And again, Class Class A is a guy who uh, is a unicorn. There's just not, no, not every organization has someone like him. Very few have someone, like I said, he, he has one of the best pitches in baseball, period. Full stop. Uh, we'll see what he can do, what he can become. But the Indians clearly targeted, wanted him. And for, again, all the fans out there who didn't even want to keep Kluber, well this is what uh, what we're doing you know it, they got something uh but they saved 14.5 million today between uh, with getting class a into shields in this deal they have to go out and, and use this at this point the indians should be players in free agency um they have an interesting team but they do need an outfielder let's just be 100 percent honest they need an outfielder um if you have fran mill as your dh you have santana at first i like the idea of a johnson Luplo Platoon. You got Mercado, who had a fantastic season a year ago. Uh, second base is an e- issue as well. And, uh, you know, because it's the understanding at this point is that uh, Ramirez is likely to stay at third. You're going to have Lindor at shortstop, I still think. And, I'm, you know, Perez at catcher. So who's left? Who can the Indians conceivably go out and get? Second base is, is your need. And outfielders you need. I mean, Puig is a possibility. They could revisit those talks. Um, would you consider Marcelo Zuna on the high end? I don't think the Indians necessarily would because of their situation and him needing, you know, if you sign Ozuna, you lose a draft pick. It's not a giant draft pick, but it's not like Marcelo Zuna is a game breaker. He has been a bit inconsistent for his career, if we're being uh, honest. You know, only a 2.2 war last year. Uh, he was above average, but not massively above average. Uh, for his career, he's kind of up and down. You know, 2017, he was phenomenal, but he really hasn't approached anywhere near that. And he's been a good, but not great player for most of his career. 
So that's not not the guy. Nick Castellanos can't really play defense. That limits you with him as you're going down. Um, you know, sadly, you, you move quickly through. And a lot of the problem the Indians would run into is a lot of guys have signed. Um, there's not a whole lot left. It's like maybe the Indians could even split this money up. What happens if they trade Brad Hand, save another $7 million off the books, and go and get Will Harris, who might be a better reliever um, and is sitting out there in free agency. So then you recoup something with Hand and then reinvest that money in a, a reliever from the market. Uh, Corey Dickerson, I think I'd almost rather have than Marcelo Azuna uh, in terms of free agency. Uh, and then, of course, Cesar Hernandez. I, I can't bring him up enough. The guy the Phillies let go is the best second baseman available, and he should be the guy that the uh, that the Indians should need to be talking to right now because that hole there at second is just... It's glaring, and the Indians need to find someone to to jump into that. But they should be spending. Um, you know, it's it's a situation between this ownership and this fan base is already very toxic. If they don't spend, if they try to enter next season with a very talented roster and a sub one hundred million dollar payroll, um, they're going to take that toxicity, and it's not so much about making it more toxic; it's going to expand out. So you're going to sit there and have. Um, Fans who have been defenders, fans who have been on the bench who are going to start going to detractors. And the front office here is fantastic. The ownership has made some foolish statements, but at least unlike the Cavs and the Browns, it's an ownership situation that has allowed for stability and has not been knee-jerk, which is especially in baseball something you need. And there's a reason why this front office keeps getting raided year after year for uh, managerial talent. It's a great front office. We have to have some faith in them. We'll see what happens with Cooper this year. I wish him well. I'm not sitting back going, I hope he implodes because it makes the front. No, I hope Cooper has a fantastic season um, as long as it doesn't cost the Indians the playoffs. And, uh, uh, you know, we'll see what we get out of Class A. They now need to be burning up phone lines. If they're not making calls about free agents, maybe they should be going out and making calls to, you know, if you're looking to add talent and eat someone's bad contract that could you think you could fix like let's say you're the indians and you think jay hop is fixable you're like we could put him as our fifth starter we'll trade for him get a big prospect or two or player that can help you know could you is there a world where you can convince the the yankees to give you Anjuar for taking on hop hap maybe and then if you can somehow get hap back to where he was two years ago as a rental all of a sudden you have another tradable asset so that's what I'd be looking at. It's not just free agency. It's finding ways to be creative and intelligent because when you are a small market team that is a bottom 5 to 10 in attendance, even when you are successful, you have to be smarter than everyone else. And that front office oftentimes has been. So you need to be combing free agency, looking for players they could fix, looking for guys who teams might be willing to move on from, and knowing that right now they have a big hole at second base, they have a big hole in their outfield. How are we going to fix these? Um, yeah, so... It's the beginning. This is the first move the Indians have made in a while. It stinks. You know, they traded one of the my favorite players today, one of the greatest players I've ever seen suit up for the Cleveland Indians. I wish Corey Kluber well. I look forward to when his name is retired, or his name, his number is retired by the Cleveland Indians in the future, as that will undoubtedly occur. And I, I wish, like I said, I wish him nothing but the best going forward. I wish all of my listeners nothing but the best. It's a long one, but it's understandable when we have something like this occur. I hope you understand the trade a little bit better. I'm a little confused by it still. I'm still holding out hope there's maybe another piece coming that we don't know about yet. 
But if this is the deal, final take, they got a really interesting reliever. Um, one of the best, one of the guys with the highest ceiling of any reliever in all of baseball. And we'll have to see what they can do with it, where they can go from there. Um, they gave up one of the all-time greats, though, and that is never easy. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe.